your throne of grace, where we will obtain mercy and find grace to help us in the time of need. So, Lord, we love you and we honor you. We bless you and we praise you. You certainly, truly are worthy to be praised. So, Lord, we thank you. Open up our minds and our hearts today. Let us understand your word to those who are watching uh, us on the Internet and when we will be watching on the replay. We pray that you would touch them as well, Father. Touch minds and hearts wherever the sound of my voice is, and we bless you and we thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen. I want to give a shout out to Miss Nola and Gabby. Hi, miss you. Miss Juana and our group in uh, Detroit. I think the amen. Uh, Ingrid and Brother Lee are there for sure. And so we're just so grateful and so thankful for the watchmen that still gather together in the name of the Lord. And we pray for those who are not yet with us that they would get back post haste. Amen. And, uh, run into the house of God like you really mean to be here. And, uh, amen. It's a good thing. So praise God. I got a chance to talk to, um, uh, Mom, uh, Lynch. Uh, the late uh, Tony Bunkley's mother, and um, I always like to at least get a hold of her around Mother's Day and uh, either go by or call, so I called this time, and um, she was saying she was so thankful they had, her her church had their service for the first and only time, I think, I don't think they met again, but they decided that Easter Sunday they would open up for uh service she said i was so glad to get there she said i didn't recognize a soul everybody had a mask on but i just cried the whole time i was there <laughs> so i said yeah i said we don't think we will ever need that scripture you know or identify with david saying i was glad when they said let us go into the house of the lord for so many years, we kind of took it for granted, amen? So it's good to be glad at all times, so praise God. But that's good. So so uh, we're praying that the Dillards will have a nice family outing together um, today. I think it's uh, Josh is coming up, Coach Josh is coming up, and everybody's going to be together. So it's a blessing. Uh, when you have uh, grown-up children, I'm sure you just uh, want to see them. And, but you can't be a hands-on parent. Yeah, can't, can't baby them after they're grown, but it's nice to have these, uh, gatherings. So, and, uh, yeah, spirit of hospitality is always there. And, um, this is a good thing because that's a very powerful spirit to draw people into covenant. Amen. Um, sometimes we take things like that for granted as well. But, uh, if the Bible tells the, the, um, pastors to be first given to hospitality that's the first ministry of the household of faith amen amen you know if you learn something praise god you know you thought you wouldn't learn nothing new when you came today but if that's that's what you learned that's what you learned amen so praise god you have to learn how to make people feel welcome you have to learn how to make them feel loved Hospitality is wrapped up in that. Amen. That's what that's about. So I'm going to move on because I see it ain't being received too well. But anyway, (laughs) praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Anyhow, like they say. So we're going to talk today about the mystery of faith. Amen. 
the mystery of faith. And uh, faith is a mystery, be honest with you. It's, it's not something that we can observe, just like there are mysteries in God's kingdom. Faith is one of those, amen. The reason they are mysteries is because they're not visible. That's the one thing that uh, that qualifies it to be termed a mystery. It's not visible. It doesn't happen in the visible realm. Anything that happens in the invisible realm is mysterious. Amen. Uh, unless you have access to understanding. So that's what we're going to do today is, is talk about the mystery, but also uh, share the understanding that we do have about the, the faith that we, the faith that was delivered to the saints. Amen. So this is a faith that always existed. So it, it didn't begin with the church. It didn't begin with um, Jesus, actually. This was a faith that was in man from the beginning. And so God wants to reveal now to us how to connect with him in the supernatural realm. One of the ways is through faith. And so uh, once we understand that, that faith is this mystery, then we can kind of get some understanding, kind of unravel it. One of the things that we have to understand about faith is that there are certain laws that govern it. So if you understand the laws, you can understand, um, you can get understanding of how faith works, but it also works by love. So the love commandment has to be obeyed. Love God first, then your neighbor is yourself, not the reverse. You reverse it, you get in trouble. People are out trying to love people and they don't really have a, an appreciation and love for God. That's where love originates with him. So we've got to have a relationship of loving God first before we have something to give to people. And I think a lot of what we see as frustration and anger and failure among Christians relates to just this one first commandment. It's the greatest of all. It's the, the others, uh, are supported by obedience to this one. But if you forget it, get it reversed or get it bottled up and blocked up, none of it works. And so we really do have to obey the law of love. So first Timothy three nine <clears throat> is our scripture. And it talks about qualifications for servants of God, talking about deacons and, and what they, you know, these are upright people, holy people, number one. And verse nine says, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. So one of the ways that we can appreciate and understand if we are in faith is that our conscience is pure. Amen. So, for instance, if you decide that you want to, you need something in your life. You say, well, I need uh, um, a little extra money this month because I need to meet this obligation or that. And there are always other things we want to do besides what fits into our budget. Amen. Sometimes you have a, a family member with a birthday coming up. Or you have a, a friend with a graduation coming up. All those things, you may need something extra. And so the the 
best way to do it, and, and I've found that you gotta break some old patterns of thinking in order to get your needs met by God. In fact, you gotta break a lot of them. But, uh, one of the things that we have to do is quit trying to plan how to get the extra money ourselves. And isn't that the first thing we do? Get upset, go to wondering, go to wrangling, go to figuring. And in, it has taken me, as far as I've gotten with it, it's taken me, you know, all these 30 plus years, really 40 years, walking with God to figure out to go to Him first. And, and if we go to Him first, then that eliminates all of the anger, frustration, uh, you know, all of that, you know, I can remember when we were kids, you know, we struggled financially quite a bit, uh, you know, and, and my mother would get angry when holidays would come. She'd be upset because she didn't anticipate having the money to do what we needed to do. I mean, it was a struggle every day. When Christmas came, that was a bummer and a downer, you know. And if you're not careful when you live under that, that attitude gets transferred onto you. Amen. I mean, it's easy for it to come up and you get anxiety at holidays. You try to figure out who you can give decent gifts to and who you maybe you can cut back and all. I mean, the, the mental gymnastics that you'll go through because of poverty and lack are are amazing sometimes. And so, and, and it depends on how you want to have yourself viewed. Do you want to be known as the broke person or the person who never has anything to give? I mean, sometimes even in a church setting, and, and we try to, to, you know, make it easy for people to to interact with one another, so forth and so on. In a church setting, you can find yourself getting under pressure. Oh boy, pastor's birthday is coming up. Where am I going to get it from? And I get sick of all these collections and all these offerings. And you know what I'm saying, that kind of stuff. And so um, it, it, money tends to put pressure on people, not because God doesn't have it. It's because Mammon is the spirit that manages money down here on earth. And if our thoughts are earthbound thoughts only, we're going to have the, the same attitude that people of the earth have, even though we're residents of God's kingdom. See, if we don't change the way we view ourselves, are you a citizen of heaven or not? If you're a citizen of heaven, there's no worries, no cares. What is there? There's petitions made at the throne. So if you don't know how to go to God and make that petition known, see, the first thing we say, well, it's not that much money. I can handle it. And then when the time comes to hand, see, you say that, the devil runs with that statement of yours. I'm going to say this again. You keep saying you can handle it. The devil will run with that statement, and guess what will happen? He'll start messing up your finances, maneuvering everything so that you can't handle it. Come on now. Or you'll you'll say, you know, you'll pass on it this time, or you won't give this time, or you'll get me next time, or you avoid Miss Nola, you know, that poor thing has to collect. You know, she's gotten good at it. She don't let it bother her. She's heard it all, you know. But 
but uh you know we we tend to get prideful about finances like we don't have a care in the world we can handle everything but once you send that word out then you put it over in the natural realm and the enemy has full access to your words to screw it up for you he'll make sure you don't get it He'll make sure that your paycheck is missing or there's the bank, uh, there's a false withdrawal from your account. How many of you have had those things happen? You know, my bank account is short and I found out there's been some illegal activity on there. That happens a lot. Amen. Or one of your bills goes up a little extra this month or something else that you need. A family member has something come up and you got to give to that. So he'll make sure that your will collides with, with, with the will of the world. Amen. There'll be a mishap and a mess up there. So I had to learn, I had to teach myself to go to God first thing. Father, I have a need here and I thank you that you're going to supply this need. You tell me how much to give and I'll give it. You tell me what to do and I'll do it. You tell me what to, what to, do here and I'll do it. Amen. And leave it there. Don't go back and take it down and start trying to figure out what to give, how much to give, what to do, how to do it, all that kind of stuff. Never face an obligation and say you can't do it. Don't ever do that to God. Cause really you're doing that to Him. You're not doing it because you lack resources. But you're saying that because you're looking at the natural and God lives in heaven where he's looking at a pile of money he wants to send down to you. And you're looking at what's down here on earth. Well, you got to let your vision match his vision and you begin to uh, operate the way he wants you to operate. See, there's no pride in this. There's no reputation to keep here. There's just simple obedience to what you believe God expects out of you. God, you expect me to be a part of things I receive in this ministry. You expect me to give like I receive. What is my portion? And I expect you to send it to. And I thank you for sending it to me. And thank him every day for his supply. Thank him every day for his provision. Thank him every day for what he's. Thank him every day. Don't forget a day of thanking him. Amen. And once you set up a pattern of heavenly expectation. And you have that relationship with God where you know that he will supply every need. Why? Because the expectation's there. Once you request and expect, you've done your part. And just continue to thank him for it. You find yourself getting doubtful. Say, oh, no doubt. You get away from here. God is going to take care of this, and I'm thanking him for it. Never look at requests as it never overlook a request. Can I say that? It never overlook a request. In other words, don't turn your back on it. Always address it with God. And see, that's something I had to learn. I, I would think that, I used to think that certain things were my responsibility and certain things were not. Till I realized I live in a kingdom that has so many people living here. It's unbelievable. And so I learned how to take every need that came to my ear, 
I would take it to the Lord. And God, is this something you want me to respond to or is this not something you want me to respond to? I had to learn that there were certain people that were servants of God just like me. And they were praying for provision for certain things that God had told them to do. So that's another leg of God's kingdom that we have to understand is our responsibility and our our business to attend to those things. And so I had to understand that, okay, I'm obligated where where I serve and who serves me, but then there are some people who have needs that nobody but people like me is going to know about. You understand what I'm saying? There have been people that, that, I mean, in the early days when, when we, we didn't have a lot of excess. I mean, we don't now, you know, sometimes we have those seasons where God just pours in and, and you have it. And, and there are seasons where, you know, it's just what's necessary is available. And there were people that I knew needed help getting their ministry started. I mean, they're, there was one one couple that I knew of through a, a ministry. They worked for this ministry, and we had been a part of that ministry for a number of years. And they went out on their own. And it seemed like people they had worked with, I don't know this to be true from, from what they told me specifically, but it seemed like they kind of got the left foot of fellowship when they left, like nobody to encourage and support them. And they were trying to um, send, let me think, what were they sending? It was like food, material goods. This guy was a pilot, and he got enough faith to get his license, and they raised money for a plane, and he wanted to make runs down there. But they needed long-distance telephone service. And at that time, it wasn't cheap like it is now. It was pretty hefty. And so God told me, he said, tell him that you're going to pay that bill. Just add them to your account and pay that bill for them. And we did that for a number of years until he finally wrote. He said, you know what? I noticed we're still using your service. He said, you know what? God's blessed us. We're able to let go of that. So you can let go of it for us now. You understand what I'm saying? But sometimes you look at yourself as not having much and you might look at somebody's needs and, oh, we couldn't do anything like that. We couldn't do that. But you have to start learning how to pray about these things. Ask God, what, what are you expecting of me to do? You know? And, and over and over again, it's been like that for this ministry. There have been people that God would say, uh, like for instance, Desert Angel. Uh, Louise, um, yeah, Louise Downs that sends the care packages off to the soldiers. And we, she would ask people to host the packing parties. And we hosted a couple packing parties for her where we helped her gather all the stuff to pack in the boxes and all of that. And, and recently it's grown so much she's got people all over the place hosting packing parties and supplying everything paying for them i remember when she struggled with the posters she said oh we got two more boxes we need to send and the money would come in for those boxes and they were mailed to the troops and so recently i told her i said 
I said, Louise, I really want to do something. She said, could you send us some more of those bookmarks you used to send us? And I didn't realize we sent them to Psalm 91 for the service people that we would pray. And uh, so I we got some more printed again and sent them to her. So that that kind of connection never goes away. You understand what I'm saying? It, whatever they need, we want to do our part. And so it was, you know, back in the day, it was a little bit of a struggle, a little bit of this and that because of our faith level but as as we grow we grow and as we get confident we're able to do those things so don't ever just turn your back on something that you see where there's a need without consulting God first there are many things we don't get involved with because God says no I got somebody else to do that or don't worry about it I'll I'll let you know when when I need you to do something for somebody people who are out soul winning I love soul winners because they they are out there doing the things that we who are kind of like more church bound and probably shouldn't be, but could need to get out more and do more in person soul winning. They're touching people that we're not touching right now for a number of reasons. But anyway, I'll always sow to soul winners, always, because I see that as as just something we should do, you know, and as you get to know people's integrity, you get to know their hearts, you get to know their their work and so forth and so on. There begins a drawing to you to certain individuals to support what they do. And, And so that's part of our growth in faith, too, to keep it in the kingdom to keep it where God honors it, and to keep it where it's supposed to be. But part of the mystery of the kingdom pretty much is to know where God wants you involved and get yourself involved where God's don't ever say, I can't do it, or I don't have the money, or that's not my job, or something like that. Always listen for what God wants to tell you, because that's an opportunity to sow seed. And in your hour of need, that seed will feed your need. Amen. It will grow into a healthy plant in your your uh, realm and in your life. So we said that faith, it says holding fast the mystery of faith. And faith is something you do have to hold fast to because it will get away from you. There are so many people that quit serving God. You know, they just don't come to church anymore. They don't, they're you know, passive about it or even angry sometimes. You'll find some resentment there about something uh in God. And and so, um, you know, you, you have to hold on to this. You have to fight. You have to contend for the faith, the Bible says. Why? Because the devil wants to take it away from you. He wants you to, to, to think that God's not interested in you. He wants you to think that if you get excited about God, something's wrong with you. If you get excited about what God's doing or if you expect God to to do something for you, there's something wrong with you. Amen. He wants you to go dead, dry, and sour like so many people do. I don't know what they expect from God. My goodness, if you're saved, you're not going to hell anymore. That should be enough to make you chase after Jesus for the rest of your life. And so, you know, you just don't know what, what grabs hold of people, but I'm, I'm contending for the faith, honey. I'm fighting for mine. So faith really is not a religious system and it's not a belief system. Not really. Faith is spiritual capital. We can put it that way. It's a, it, faith operates beyond the natural realm 
and it it has a, its effects are in the supernatural. So faith has to reach into the supernatural realm of God to deliver its results. And that's where the mystery comes in. You can't see everything your faith is doing all the time. I mean, it's good to be able to see some things to confirm that you're on the right track, but we can't live by sight. we got to give that up and just continue to live by faith and know that as long as your faith is working, God's working. That you have something on the inside of you that when you check yourself out, you can say, oh, God's working. See, I'm still believing that God's working. I'm still expecting that God's working. Amen. So this isn't a fake pretend thing. Faith is is spiritual reality. Amen. So it is a mystery because it delves into the supernatural to deliver its results. When it's in the natural uh, only, it will not produce God results. And that's why you have to consider the natural realm as somewhat of a distraction from what God is doing. But always understand that by faith, God is working. By the faith that is within me, God is working on my behalf. Amen. So it will not produce God results when we delve into the natural realm, but it will produce uh, the super. I mean, the natural realm will support the natural. But in order to get your prayers answered, you've got to go into the supernatural realm of God. Um, a good example is the woman with the issue of blood. I think I'll go to the to Luke's account. I think Luke is chapter eight. Yeah, <clears throat> Luke chapter eight and verse. And here you have uh, an account of a natural and a supernatural result here. It says, uh, start in verse 40, it came to pass that when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. So here we have a high level of faith. Amen. When faith works by love, whenever people are glad to see you, Faith is in operation because <laughs> God made them glad to see you. <laughs> it says, and behold, <coughs> there came a, a man named Jairus. He was a ruler of the synagogue. Bummer, downer. Jairus Downer could not hold the crowd's faith down. Amen. So, so when you see sometimes people, this is the thing, the faith when it dominates an atmosphere, will tend to pull everybody over. Because God's kingdom is stronger than the kingdom of darkness. So don't let religious people uh, drag you down, you know, when they come into an atmosphere of faith. Because they'll either get caught up in it or get trampled over. You understand what I'm saying? Because the spirit of faith is that strong. The spirit of love is that strong. It wins people over. So Jairus comes in and he has a need. He fell down at Jesus' feet and besought him that he would come to his house. For he had one only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was uh, at death's door. But as he went, the people pushed and pushed and pushed. So 
unbelief kind of gets lost in the crowd of faith. Amen. See, his unbelief be, be, became, or any doubt that he would have, or any pride that he would have, uh, became secondary because here faith begins to impinge on him. And it says, and a woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which has spent all her living on physicians and was never healed, came behind him. In fact, the Bible, one account says she spent all her money, never got better, was but got worse, came behind him and touched the border of his garment. And immediately her issue of blood uh, stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? everybody denied i didn't touch you i didn't touch you i didn't touch you huh see even if you did touch him you were lying in the crowd because people were touching them said they did uh people always think they in trouble you know when the prophet pours attention oh you think you're in trouble automatically said they were they that were with him said master the multitude is touching you but you're asking for somebody who touched you in other words what's wrong with you Jesus said, somebody touched me because I perceive virtue is gone out of me. And when the woman who saw that, that what she was doing was exposed, she came trembling, falling down before him, declared unto him before all the people for what cause she had touched him, how she was healed immediately. And he said to her daughter, be of good comfort. Your faith has made you whole. Go in peace. Now, while he yet spoke, you know the story about the the uh, Jairus, his daughter, they came and said she was dead. Jesus dealt with that, took care of that. And so everybody's happy, happy, because everybody got their prayer answered. Now, the thing we need to know about the mystery of faith, the woman with the issue of blood is operating in the invisible realm because she is there. By faith, she decides that she is going to touch Jesus with her faith. The spirit of faith has already schooled her and given her information, given confidence and given expectation. So all she has to do is get there and pull the trigger. Amen. So she's got to get to a Jesus meeting and touch the hem of his garment only. Because she decides that she can't go up to him because she can't present herself before the priest because she's still unclean. So the Holy Spirit within her or about her, they didn't have the indwelling then, but you could be guided and led and informed by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit's like pulling her along and telling her, okay, today's the day you're going to get there. This is the day you're going to pull the trigger of your faith on it. The fact that the ruler of the synagogue is asking Jesus to come with him tends to work against him. If we can receive by faith, see faith is now, it's not later when I get to my house. She knows now faith. So she's going to pull the trigger in the now just like the, the, the Roman centurion did. He said, speak the word. He knew faith was now. Faith isn't when we connect, but it can be now at a later time. 
Hey, man, you got it? So when you're in a crowd and you're in one of these situations where, say, you're at a Benny Hinn meeting and God tells you're going to be be healed at the Benny Hinn meeting, you hold on to your faith till you get to the meeting and then you pull the trigger. Amen. So you know your faith is now at some point, but but her now was sooner than the centurion. I mean, than the uh, ruler of the synagogues now. But he was going to have a now moment for his faith. He knew his point of contact was when Jesus comes and lays hands on my daughter, she will be healed. He could have had her healed if he had told Jesus, just speak the word and she'll get it. He didn't know about that revelation. You see the mysteries of faith being unfolded to us? There's a mystery there that says your faith will manifest your result when you get it under certain conditions. The woman with the issue of blood, her condition was you go to him, just touch him, you got it. Amen. And so she could have touched him. Suppose she had come to Connected with Jesus after he got back from the ruler's house or at the ruler's house. This would have been a different story. He would have healed the ruler's daughter first. And this lady would have gotten there when she got there. But the touch would have done it for her. And so these mysteries of faith cause us to come into the reality of the invisible realm. Because what she needs from Jesus is invisible. What the ruler of the synagogue needs is invisible. They're all touching Jesus in the invisible realm, but it's happening at different times and under different circumstances. So we will all get our answer from the invisible realm. But we have to realize that that that's one of the mysteries of faith. It's not going to be something you can see. It's not going to be something you could feel all the time. Even though this woman would see herself touching Jesus as him, this was an invisible realm happening that was happening. It wasn't a physical thing. It was her invisible faith touched Jesus' invisible virtue. And there was a pull there where the two of them connected and the result that she desired happened. You have to be in expectation of a specific result for it to happen. If you're, if you're just allowing God to help you to feel better instead of getting to the root of why you don't feel good, you're going to keep feeling good when that anointing comes upon you. But you have to move beyond that and say, I will be made whole. God, I expect the root of this to be dealt with. I expect to get rid of this. I expect my new uh, uh pancreas, my new thyroid, my new joint, my new heart, my new liver. I expect my new organ to come through for me. Amen. And, and uh, be bold about it. Why would you keep looking for symptoms to be alleviated when you can get the whole thing? See, I had to learn that about faith. I learned sometimes we shy away from the, the, the truth of the matter. The truth is, I'd like to have a new thyroid. You know what I'm saying? I need to expect a new thyroid. And the things that, that, 
that that would leave my body as a result of a new thyroid would happen for me. Amen? Instead of saying, oh, I know it's going to happen at some time. I know God's God hears me. I thank you for my new thyroid and just go and sit down somewhere and never expect it to manifest. And so part of faith is expectation. Amen. Maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but it's what do you expect? Do you expect what the Bible says you're going to get in the, in the, um, in the situation of health? You're looking for different manifestations. You want to feel better. And, and sometimes you can get medicine to feel better and you're feeling better already, but you're still praying for your miracle, expecting your miracle. You got to expect that those, all those symptoms one day will go and let that be today. Father, I thank you. All these symptoms are leaving my body now in Jesus name. I thank you. I have my new organ that I'm expecting to give you. And please forgive me for putting it off and putting it off and, and shying away from it. And really what we do is we say no to the manifestation of the answer by accepting feel good. Amen. Feel good is a mercy move on God's part, but so is the the total healing. That's greater mercy. So do you want the greater mercy or you want mercy? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He said, I got a little mercy. I got a little mercy running around here. Well, get rid of a little mercy and go for the whole enchilada. Amen. 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 So the woman with the issue of blood was frustrated and angry even until she moved her faith into God's realm. See, as long as it was in the doctors, there was there was this dissatisfaction, you know, thinking today will be the day they'll tell me they have a cure. Then as the years go by, she's not even getting better. She's not even feeling good. She's getting worse. And to top it all off, now she's run out of money. So all of the, the frustration, all of the doubt and the fear can is over in the natural realm so just understand that when you start feeling that you can't have certain things you start feeling like it's too late to do so when you start feeling that time the opportunity has passed you by when you start feeling all these things your faith is over in the natural realm You've just moved it from being in God and his kingdom and in his word. Now you've moved it over into the natural realm. You're looking at age. You're looking at how much time has gone by. You're looking at who who says what about you. You're looking at all of those natural things instead of keeping your eyes in in the, the realm of God, in the realm of the supernatural, in the realm of it can happen at any time, in the realm of it's not too late, in the realm of I serve a miracle working God, in the realm of with God nothing is impossible and all things are possible. Even my so-called impossible situation is possible in God. Amen? And so once we train ourselves how to stay in the supernatural realm of God and train ourselves to keep your faith out of natural realm and put it over into supernatural of God, 
then we can begin to expect God to manifest at any time. See, that's when the excitement comes, that we believe and we know that it can manifest at any time. Until then, we're just toying around with the supernatural. We're mostly like in the natural realm, but we don't want to admit we are. We're really in the natural, but we want to pretend we're believing God because we do a little confession every other day or every three days or every this or every that. And so we have to really, really keep our faith totally over in the supernatural of God. The more your faith can feel at home in the kingdom and in the glory realm and in the supernatural realm of God, the easier it will be for you to believe for things. You'll go from believing medium size to bigger size to great size. To, to impossible size. And so if you let your faith rest and find, find its, its feet, so to speak, resting on kingdom territory at all times, then you'll be able to, uh, expect what God's doing, anticipate, you'll be receiving more. Sometimes we, we try to pat ourselves on the back because we don't struggle financially anymore. You know what I'm saying? Or we don't struggle with whatever anymore. We get satisfied with, oh boy, I made it. No, get up. There's something else you gotta believe for now. Hey man, why are you sitting there, you lazy ting? Get up. You only got one faith working. You need three faith working, man. Uh, lazy ting, get up and get your three faith working. And so, yeah, you know, it is that way. It should, if, if we, if we view it the right way, we should welcome challenges to our faith. More things to believe God for. We should welcome that instead of dread. Oh boy, here we go again. So, oh, what, what do I need now? What's missing now? What I got to pray for now? You know, and, and, and begin to take a different attitude about it. Leave all the anger, frustration and that over in the devil's kingdom, over in the worldly kingdom and bring your faith over to God. Put your faith over in God where there's no worries, no cares. Just meditate on the word. Remind yourself of what he said he's done already for you. Amen. Cause most of the stuff we are waiting on is done. It's given. We're not waiting on God to do anything. Amen. He's waiting on us to really, really, really believe him so that we can get what we need. So the woman with the issue of blood got rid of all her complaints by taking her faith out of the natural. In fact, God did her a favor by letting her run out of money and realize she couldn't go back to the doctors anymore. Sometimes closed doors force you to go through the open door that was open all along. Amen. Some people have too much pride and attitude to admit that they were wrong in looking down, looking for the natural to solve their problems. And now they have to ask God. In fact, some of them just flat out refuse to try and trust God for anything, even after the natural doors are closed to them. Amen. Don't be that kind of person. Be that humble person. Say, oh, okay, God, I I get you now. Help me to believe you. Amen. If that's where you are right then, then that's your confession. God, help me to believe you. 
help me to unlock this mystery of faith so that I can cooperate with you because you're good. And you mean, and you mean me nothing but good and you're going to do nothing but good toward me all the days of my life. So help me cooperate with the good. Amen. Another thing you need to know is faith is a spiritual weapon. Amen. Ephesians chapter six. Let me turn there real quick like if I can. Praise God. I think it's 616. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Fiery darts of the wicked. So faith is really both an offensive and a defensive weapon. So is the word. So thank God they work together. Amen. So when you think about it, Faith is what you need to fight off the darts, every fiery dart. The devil is, is in charge of hell fire. I mean, he wants to take us under. He wants to steal our faith, wants to rob us of everything that God has for us. I was thinking about the, um, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego who were in the fiery furnace, amen. <clears throat> and it says here in verse, we know the story, they they were commanded to bow when they heard a certain kind of music play. And uh, they were, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, uh, with Daniel, were under a vow to God not to bow to this this false god. Amen. And so King Nebuchadnezzar uh, was demanding this from them. And so he says in a three verse, uh, let me see, where is he? Verse 15, it says, um, now if you're ready that at what time you hear the sound of the all these instruments of music, he says, uh, it, it, to worship the image that I have made well, but if you don't worship, you'll be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that will deliver you out of my hands, out of the fiery furnace? Well, you're about to find out. See, when God gets involved, he answers everybody's questions. So the king wants to know who this God is that's going to deliver you if you think you're going to get delivered. And God says, well, i got to show this dude who I am. So the Hebrew boy's got to go in the furnace. Amen. And he says, the, the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, verse 16, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't even have to think about it. I don't have to pray about this one. You know why? Because the word was near them in their mouth and in their hearts. Amen. So when you walk close to God, when you live with God, you don't have to go look up a scripture to find out how to answer the devil. That word is right in you. Everybody can say, no, no, Satan, you're not my boss. I'm not obeying you. Amen. 
And and that'll do until you get something deeper if you think you got to be deep about it. Okay. So he says, we're not even uh, nervous about answering you. He said, if it be so, our God who we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace. See, you got to know that your God is able to do the impossible. Because many of the things we need done are impossible. There are lots of people that have incurable diseases. So they've got to believe every day that God can do the impossible. If you believe he can do it, you got to believe he'll do it and that he'll do it for you. So you got to have all your faith lined up in God's realm of this, this is possible because God is a God of the impossible. And you've got to fix your mind and your heart that way. See, these three boys, this isn't the first time they considered what might happen if we get caught not bowing. From the minute that order went out about that music, they began to pray. You understand what I'm saying? And get themselves, get reassurance from God. Don't worry about that. I've told you not to bow. You haven't bowed yet. When they first brought you here, they was wanting you to get drunk with the rest of the people in the in the palace, eating a funny food, having orgies and all that kind of stuff. And you refused to eat that food. And I covered you through it. Amen. And so they refused everything that belonged to Babylon. And this is going to be no exception. Amen. What you start with, you got to be willing to finish with, folks. And to be honest with you, the test don't get any easier. You're going to always have to stand on God's word. And I think that's where many people make their mistake. They can, they want to get on easy street with God. There is no easy street. Whoever thought churches would be closed in America? Hello? Y'all may think this is about a bug, but it ain't. And when God started, you see how God prepared us for this? He opened our eyes when we started praying for the persecuted church way over in Asia. Remember? And see, we don't see this in persecution, but it is. If they, you ask some of these pastors who go to church and they get a citation and a ticket and a court summons and they want to lock them up. Ask about the ones that padlock their doors. See, it, it, it's all persecution. See, let's not make the mistake the churches in Germany did during the Nazi regime. Amen. When they heard the ambulances going through the cities where they were picking up more Jews, they just said, sing louder. And they kept sing louder when they came for each different group, sing louder. But when they came for them, they couldn't sing anymore. So they eventually took the Christians and put them under arrest, too. So we can't keep singing louder. We have to confront this persecution. And we have to say, hey, God, keep the doors open. Keep us open some kind of way. But we're going to go and worship you. Amen. If we have to move to the cellar of my house, we started in the basement. You go back to the basement. Amen. But we're going to worship God and we're going to pray and we're going to stay on our watch. We're not going to come down. Amen. And you have to be like that. And you got to smell persecution when it's a small odor. You can't wait till it's blatant in front of your face. So these boys had faced the possibility that they could go into this fire already. And God had prepared them. 
God told them, I'm coming to get you out. And they told the the king, they said, listen, we're ready to die. We're sick of this nonsense already. This ain't even our home. You know, sometimes you, if you look at things like that, uh, you'll get less and less intimidated by what the devil's trying to do to you. You know what? Devil earth ain't my home anyway. I should be walking on streets of gold right now. I'm just having to live about my time down here putting up with your shenanigans. But I tell you what, you better get out of my face right now in the name of Jesus. Because I'm not bowing to your nonsense. You know, all the people jumping up around in the streets and they're the only one standing still. Think about it. Everybody down on the ground and they standing up straight. Well, you stick out like a sore thumb. Amen. Don't be afraid if God makes you stick out like a sore thumb. Amen. Just go ahead and expect God to deliver you. But you got to have a relationship with God. You know what I'm saying? You got to have have this arranged already and made your vow to God. God, I don't care what they require of us. We ain't doing it. We're serving you. If it conflicts with us serving you, we're still serving you. Daniel got in trouble because he worshiped God and prayed to him three times a day. Here's another rule they made up just to get him in trouble. You think they're not being laws made to get Christians ensnared? They're making them every day, folks. They're making them every day. And so we have to understand that we are in enemy territory and, and being passive and and not uh bold about God is not going to help us. Amen. You you got the Holy Ghost in you. He's not moving out. Amen. He came in your heart to stay. If you're receiving the benefits of living for God and the blessings of God, you got to put up with the sufferings too and the persecution. You're not going to be liked in a lot of places. Sometimes the reason we haven't had much persecution is we don't get in trouble by operating in the anointing enough. You're not witnessing to nobody, not telling anybody about Christ, not doing this, not doing that. You know, you can live on easy street a long time. And then all of a sudden, one day, God rings, pulls your number. Huh? And you got to pray in front of the crazy Jehovah Witnesses that, you know, you just try to not be too confrontational around them, not be too bold, you know, don't want to get any conflict. Why not? These kingdoms are colliding anyway. They've been enemies from forever. You're not going to change that. You being nice to a Jehovah Witness is not going to change the side of the fence they're on. It's not going to change the side you're on. Huh? God said he fights for us. Sometimes that's how people get saved. God begins to fight them. <laughs> That's how Paul got saved. Huh? God fought him. He saw Paul down there killing up all the Christians. He said, wait a minute, Paul. Now nah, you done went too far. I'm going to show you who's who. But Paul never, he never retreated after God revealed himself to Paul. Paul was all in. Just like your crazy Jehovah Witnesses, friends. When God reveals himself, they're going to be all in just like you are. Praise God. I pray that they get saved. I pray that their eyes be enlightened. Father, open their eyes to the truth in Jesus' name. So faith is a spiritual weapon. That shield of faith quenches fire. Amen.
So that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they have faith in God. He says, they said, if it be so, verse 17, our God, whom we serve, not just who we call on in emergencies. Oh, well, see? Oh, well, see? Do you serve him? Or you don't let, you don't think about that word much. Cause you're afraid you're not. I can tell you, if you pray, you serve him. If you worship, you serve him. Huh? Just don't break the pattern. Don't just serve him on two days a week. Serve him seven days a week. See? The, the key here is that God is the, whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, he will deliver us out of the hand of, of, of you, you, O king. But if not, I mean, if God don't have that in mind, he got something else, uh, know that we're not going to bow. In other words, you're not a threat to us. You can't make us do it. You need to tell the devil that sometime. Devil, you can't make me confess that I'm sick. You can't make me be afraid of your symptoms. You can't make me shy away from witnessing the soul. You can't make me stop praying for my family members. You can't make me. Amen. I'm not going to stop. And he says, he said, we're not going to serve your image. We're not going to worship you. We're not going to go along with this program up in here. Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and his uh, his visage changed or his face, his countenance changed against them. Before he was nicey-nicey. But when you say no to that devil, he just manifests all over the place. He can't help himself. Therefore he spoke and commanded that they the heat be turned up seven times more than it was. And they had some uh, uh, toast testers. Know how you... You know, like when you get ready to fry chicken, if you want to make sure the grease is hot enough, you throw a few pieces of bread over in there, throw some flour in there to see if it sizzles. Well, he had a few servants who were toast testers. Amen. They got burned when they opened the door. Amen. There was no standing back. Well, everybody knows that fire consumes and it looks for oxygen. If it's bottled up, it's going to reach out and grab whatever air it can grab so they just were in the middle of the air it says and it says these men were bound in their coats hose hats i mean they wrapped them up real good and were cast into the midst of the fiery furnace therefore because the king's man a commandment was urgent the furnace was exceeding hot the flame of fire slew those men that took them up Now, guess what those men did for a living? They bowed to the image. They bowed to the, you got me? So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they saw that, they probably thought, oh, good, there's hope for us. Because that would have been us if we'd been a-bowing. See, this is how you test and see your faith in God is real, that your faith is really doing something. You see people what that don't believe and see what happens to them. And then you, you can rest in your faith even that, even much more strongly. 
Father, I thank you. You still give me the heart to believe you for the impossible. You give me the heart to believe for the supernatural. You give me the confidence in you to hold on to my faith and not waver. Amen. So that might have gotten them to straighten up a little bit. Amen. And these men fell down bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished. And rose up in haste and spoke and said to his counselors, didn't we cast three men bound in there? He said, now I see four men walking around in there. And the fourth one looks like, oh, uh, this is the answer to my question in, in verse 15. Who is this God that will deliver you? He identifies him. He said, the fourth one looks like the son of God. He's seen Jesus in his pre-incarnate form. Huh? And Nebuchadnezzar came to the mouth of the fiery furnace and spoke to him. He says, you servants of the most high God, come out, come here. And they came out of the midst of the fire. This stuff gives me chills. I don't know about y'all, but I'm thinking to myself, man, the piddly ways I'm scared to use my faith. I should be ashamed of myself, but I'm not. I'm encouraged. It's going to get there, Barb. Your faith will get there. Amen. Keep telling yourself. In fact, we have that kind of faith now. We just need to put it to use more where we can see the results. And he said, he told him, blessed be the God. Now he worshiping somebody else. Ooh, ooh, ooh. We got a convert. We got a convert. Huh? He sent his angel and delivered the servants that trusted in him and have changed the king's word by yielding their bodies. You change people by yielding yourself to God 100%. You change what they think. You change what they say. You change how they perceive you by being 100% yielded. That's how you do it. You don't change people by coming over and compromising with them and trying to make them feel comfortable in their sin. You don't change people like that. But you change them because really they're looking to see if you really have changed or if you're just a fair-weather Christian, if you're just putting on to impress them. They're looking for something solid and stable so that they know they can rely on what you've got. Amen? Because they're not too sure about themselves. They figure if she's got something or he's got something and it's real, I'll come over. But until I get convinced that it's real, I'm not coming over. Amen. And don't be impressed by their criticisms of you. When they nitpick at you, pick you apart. Oh, well, I thought, thought God was going to do this for you. And God was, oh, yeah, he's going to do it. I just hope you're around to see it. <laughs> no, don't be mean like that. I would say it, but you don't do that. <laughs> no. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, I'm, I'm going to be here to see him do this. I intend everything in me intends to be here. Amen. So you see them get delivered from the fiery furnace. Why? Because they yielded their bodies to God. Their faith caused their body to go along with the will of God for them. We won't get anything much from God until our faith is able to convince our body to go along with faith. 
to go along with the spirit of faith. Amen. So, so there has to be a yielding of all of your members to the spirit of faith. Faith is of the heart. It starts in the heart, but it affects your mind and it affects your body. So when all three parts of you come together in obedience to God's word, then it's on devil. Amen. It's on for real then. Amen. The heart is able to rule the mind. Your heart or your spirit man, because he has a mind too. He has the mind of Christ, which is a greater mind. So he's able to bring your carnal mind into subjection to it. You know, people have the habit of worrying and worshiping worry like they can't get rid of it. Need to think again because your worry mind is a weaker part of you. Your spiritual mind is a stronger part. The part that says I can do this because God is strengthening me. I can do this because God says I can do it. I will be successful because God is with me. He's making everything I do to prosper. Everything, nothing's left out. Amen. Where we go wrong is we try and sort out and pick and choose what we want to to advance and not let God do it. See, sometimes you need to learn how to color inside the lines before you become Van Gogh. Whoops, sorry. (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? Or Gauguin, or Rodin, or somebody like that. You know what I'm saying? You can you can do a masterpiece, but you got to color in the lines first, or outside of the lines. I don't care who, which. <laughs> there have been people that just scribble and draw and all that um, stuff. There was a. Um, Gee, this guy was in the, I think he lived during the 80s, Jean-Michel Basquiat. He was from one of the islands, Dominican Republic or something, little African-American kid running around in New York City. And he would draw uh, murals. He would just, you know, do murals. And then he would just go on some binges and draw a lot of stuff on pieces of paper and all of that. One of his paintings, now he's been dead maybe about 30 years now. His paintings, his drawings, they're not really paintings, they're like drawings. Of sold for, and he draws this ugly little face. It looks like a, a playing card. You know how the playing cards have those funny asymmetrical faces? It kind of looks like that. Two and three million dollars. He would draw for friends. He'd leave a drawing. They'd let him stay in their apartment overnight or something because he didn't have a place to live. He was homeless. Or they would feed him for a couple of months or something like that. And he would just draw and leave it tacked up on the refrigerator. And they didn't know at the time. They just thought he was expressing himself. They loved him. They cared about him. But they didn't know the him that he would become after he was gone. And so he lived a very short time, but he produced tons of of those little pictures. And, you know, they would interview friends of his 
oh yeah, I remember Jean-Michel stayed here for so-and-so and he stayed here and we did this and we did that and all that kind of stuff. And he left me a drawing. I don't know what I did with that. See, many times people don't know your worth and your value. They only know you in one dimension. God knows who you are from eternity and who you will wind up being, you know, in the future. And so this young man was able to be very, very prolific, a very prolific artist, but he's an exception. He had something in him that expressed itself. And sometimes, you know, and this is just my thinking on this, because I've lived long enough to see some people who kind of like live in a hurry or live in a fever or live in a rush. Sometimes they don't live long and, and there's something in them that knows that. So they're in a hurry to accomplish a lot in a short period of time. So they can bypass the necessary steps to get to be accomplished in their craft. But pretty much human beings have to train themselves to get to a place of expertise, of craft, and accomplishment. And so generally by the time you're much, much older, these things are like second nature to you. You can do them Easily, easily, easily. And so, but that's the way faith is, folks. You have to learn. Faith has to be applied in everything that we do in order that we be successful and accomplished at it. Even if it's just natural faith, that has to 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 be applied. And you have to train yourself to hold on to things, even when it looks like it's never going to happen. Or it looks like things are going the other direction. How many have been there? I've been there. Where it just overnight looks like it's going the reverse. And then you hold on for another day. And then that day grows into another day. And it's a week and a month. And you understand what I'm saying? However long it takes. Don't ever promise yourself it's going to be short. Because you don't know. Amen. You just don't know. You don't know what God's doing. See, this is the mystery of faith. Because it happens in the invisible realm, we don't know much about it. Hard to predict. But we know that what we do know, and and if we apply what we do know, we know we'll be successful. Because Jesus is the author and finisher. He's not finished with our faith yet. So the faith that you're operating in now, the results you get now, is not the end of your story. Your story continues. Amen. Just tell yourself, I'm a story that's being continued. Amen. You are. And so your faith isn't disqualifying you for it. It's qualifying you for everything. Why? Because it's a faith of the Son of God. It's no fail faith. It's the faith of Abraham. You have faith that can hope against hope. And some of us, when natural hope is gone, we get sour and angry and crazy and turn against the saints and, you know, get mean and nasty. Because the devil hounds us. Look, you messed up your life. Look at you, how old you are. You ain't got this. You ain't going to get it. You ain't gonna... He'll say that to you. Why? Because he's a mean devil. He's never going to say nothing to you encouraging and nice. So quit listening to your head. 
Listen to your heart. Spend more time letting your heart rule your mind. You know, you be sitting up there thinking crazy, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will say to you, Now, listen. God is still going to give you that. You say, oh, yeah, thank you, Lord, for my new so-and-so. Thank you, Lord, for this and that. You know, train yourself to be thankful, amen, for the word. He's given us promises, amen. So Bible faith resides in the heart and not the head. Bible faith or your the faith of the Son of God or the faith that's in your heart will dominate your mind. The mind of Christ is much smarter than your crazy head that keeps doubting everything. To hear your head tell it, you ain't qualified, never gonna qualify, never gonna get nothing. Huh? <laughs> so let your heart subdue your mind. Let your, your spirit, uh, school your head. Huh? Let, let your spirit man, uh, Persuade your head to shut up. Persuade your head to quit thinking. Persuade your head to just go take a nap somewhere. Huh? Listen, head, go to sleep so I can meditate on the word and I can get me somewhere. Cause your spirit and your body is going somewhere. Amen. Amen. So, so when your, 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 your heart will dominate your mind. Amen. And your heart will wrestle your mind down to the ground and pin it. Huh? So you're in a, a wrestling. Amen. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers that speak to your head. Look at you trying to, oh, that ain't faith. Now look at you. You ain't confessed the word in three days. I caught you. I've been keeping up with you. Because I've been talking to you and you've been listening to me. What kind of Christian are you? What kind of answer are you going to get from God? I ain't going to give you nothing. You know them people that get them miracles, they have to be 24-hour fasting and praying and confessing, and you ain't done none of that? Huh? Y'all ever been hit with that devil? You know, when you're trying to get over into the, the deeper understanding of the things of faith, And the devil tells, oh, you ain't deep. Oh, you mean to tell me God is going to give you all that power and you ain't quit eating all that stuff you eating? He don't empower fat folk. He don't empower overeaters. Look at you, glutton. Look at you, look at you, look at you. And you barely had a meal that day. And he can still convince you eating too much. You got me? God doesn't look at the outer. I thank God for that. Amen. And he's a forgiving God. Amen. And if you eat cause you're hungry, you're not a glutton. Amen. So you gotta, you gotta get normal in your head sometimes in order to meet the devil cause he knows what will sway you. Amen. He knows what will convince you. Amen. So doubt may come into your mind, but it gets arrested by your faith. When doubt comes in, your faith will automatically challenge doubt and put the handcuffs on him. Amen. I don't care if doubt comes dressed up in a religious garb. Huh? Like, oh, oh, I wonder what I'm doing wrong. I haven't gotten it yet. Oh, Lord, 
I must be doing something. See, that's doubt trying to masquerade as, as, uh, holiness. It, it's just doubt. You don't have it yet because it ain't time. You ever think about that? Oh. Well, I guess I'll just keep believing God then if it's not time. It's not time. See, everything comes in what season? What season does it come in? Due season. Your doubt will never check in and see if it's due season. For him, you miss due season all the time. When doubt starts kicking you, your season is never due. Amen. It comes when it's due. Just don't you let go. See what doubt is trying to convince you of and say, oh, it's too late. I can't get that now. That's what he wants you to do. As long as you say, God, I thank you that I believe I've received it when I prayed and I know that I will have it. Amen. As long as you keep willing to have it, you will have it. But it comes in due season. Amen. We forget about that. Faith is not, faith does not produce everything instantly. That's why you have patience. Faith allows patience to stay active even though it's on hold. Oh, yeah. I'm going to say it again. Faith allows patience. I mean, patience allows faith to stay active even though your promise is on hold. Amen. It's just not due season. Now, see, we think everything's supposed to come right away. Don't come right away. Oh, something wrong. What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? Your attention is wrong. You're paying attention to the wrong thing. You have like let doubt come in. And because it's in a, a white robe with a prayer shawl, you think it's it's the Holy Ghost talking to you. That's true. Stinking doubt. And then by the time you realize it, you say, man, is that what that is? Yes. He's at a masquerade ball and you're the victim. Amen. He just dressed up to fool you and he fooled you again. Man. I let my attention drift over into the natural. God, forgive me. Let me focus on you again. Really, the problem is you haven't been thankful. You know what I found out? A little Thanksgiving goes a long way. If you can, every time you sit down, every time I get up and sit down, I say, thank you, Jesus. Why? I'm glad my knee's still working. Huh? I'm glad I can still get up and sit down. So I thank you, Jesus. I just managed to keep thankful. And it's a sincere confession, folks. I'm not just saying it to say something. It's sincere on my part because I have a lot to be thankful for. You know, there are times I tell God, I said, Lord, for what I feel, thanksgiving is kind of a cheap word, but I'm going to use it because that's all I got to use. Amen. But but I'm overwhelmed with your goodness. I'm overwhelmed with your kindness. I'm overwhelmed with your love. Amen. So let's just leave it on that for the day. Let's leave it on overwhelmed by his love. Amen. And that's what makes us thankful. Praise God. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that my knees work. Thank you, Lord, for giving us utterance today. 
giving us the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, giving us the blessing of goodness and mercy and honor and love. And right now, Father, we thank you for keeping us, helping us, giving us a mind to come to service where so many don't. Father, we ask you for your mercy for those people. Speak to them that it's safe to come to the house of the Lord. And Lord, I thank you for blessing them to once again be able to worship you in spirit and in truth and not forsake assembling themselves with the brethren. Okay, let's do our confession. I don't have Rona and she don't have me. I can't get Rona and she can't get me. And I thank you, Father. That by the stripes of your son Jesus, we are healed. Amen, amen, and amen again. It's so decreed. Amen. Praise God.